everybody it's han talks first it's a brand new episode and we're joined by a, a veteran of han talks first he was on episode two a long time ago back in season one a long time ago in a podcast far far away but this is the podcast you're looking for han talks first i'm your host han and today we are not only going to talk about the title of today's podcast which is what does it mean to be a jedi but we're also celebrating the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. And my guest today is Zach Valadon. Zach, tell everyone uh, about who you are, what you do, and about your love for Star Wars. Let's hear it. Well, hello, my good sir. Thank you for having me back. The last time we did this, I was able to come to your your place, and we were able to do it in person. And sadly, amidst the not only the COVID 19 crisis but also the fact that i live a thousand miles away now um (laughs) double uh we're not able to do that but thanks to the power of the internet here i am uh coming at you live social distancing sorry (laughs) extreme social distancing (laughs) he actually lives next uh, door (laughs) we're just being extra cautious the the force guided me here today But uh, but yeah, man, I'm I'm glad to be back. And like you said, I'm Zach Valadon. I'm uh, I've been I've been making music with you for a few years now. Um, yeah. I've been talking Star Wars and and sharing our love of Star Wars with you for a few years now. And um, I yeah, I mean, what's there to say? I it's been a part of me since I was a child. And you know, growing up, I had really cool relatives that were big Star Wars geeks and they got me into the original trilogy and it just so happened that our childhoods coincided with the release of the prequel films which I hold near and dear to my heart. Though right there with for you. some some strange reason not quite as much as the OT there's something about the original trilogy that has a its own magic that is uh, that is separate and and in my mind at least a little greater. Um <clears throat> But yeah, I used to, you know, jump around in front of the TV with my toy lightsaber and pretend I was Luke or or Anakin and 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 have a great time and it's some of the fond memories that I have of of a childhood which is escaping me rapidly with each passing day. I think and, last uh, we talked, we were talking about as a kid like trying to change the channels on the TV with using the force or something like that. We something yes. like that we talked about. The one, the one that stands out to me now that you mention it is like when I would go to the grocery store with my grandma as a kid. I used to love imagining that, like when people walked through the door, I'd hold my hand out. That was it. That's, it. <laughs> that's yeah, that that's the standout thing for me. And and man, do I miss that. Me too. Um, you're also he's all Zach is also a fellow podcaster. Um, tell everyone about yes. your podcast. 
Yes, I host a podcast called The Pen, The Sword, and usually it'd probably be about once a month to once a week at most, but with the coronavirus happening, I've got nothing to do but talk to interesting people. And the goal of The Pen, The Sword with Zach Valadon is to talk with creative people about, uh, well, what it is that they do, which is creating and the philosophy behind it. Um, And in fact, I I believe you're going to be a guest shortly as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Me too. So last time we talked, we talked about the ten, the top 10 most iconic moments in Star Wars. So we were talking about what we both think makes Star Wars iconic, uh, mm. mostly last time. I, I want to know, you know, it's been a year since we last podcasted. Has anything changed for you, especially with things like The Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian? Uh, some of the animated stuff, just a, a bunch of new toys, et cetera. Has anything changed for you for like iconic moments? Interesting question. Yeah. I mean, I loved the rise of Skywalker and I, I think too. I'm okay. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I, I know it. that we discussed loved that before. It. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Um, and uh, <sighs> if there are moments from that movie that I would throw in there, I mean, it was such an emotional movie. Um, I like, I can't think of, another star wars movie where i like i cried as much in the theater that they just they they pulled together so many things so nicely but uh the 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 one thing that stands out to me probably the most is the 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 rise of ben solo as it were the rise of skywalker there at the at the end him just completely demolishing the knights of ren and then him standing uh, alongside Ray and facing down the emperor was just such a cool moment. And it's such a grandiose scene too. I mean, like I know a lot of people hated it and and that as is want to happen with the sequel trilogy, there's, I'm an apologist for it. You know that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, I mean, that was like my, it was like a bread and butter, like everything came together for me and I loved it moment. So I, I would add it in there somewhere, but there are, the thing about the rise of Skywalker for me is that it, there weren't these like anthemic moments in it. I think that, yeah. that I like, I just, it's just such a great slow burn of a, I mean, it's not a slow burn. It's a very fast paced movie. Very fast but it's very, <laughs> but it like, it, it's like, boom, there's so much to say and so much to see, but it, it, it pulls together everything from the sequel trilogy very nicely. And I think that is, is the power of that film uh, versus, you know, at the in the Phantom Menace, the you know when I'm watching and I'm waiting for two things, and one is pod racing, and the other is the Duel of the Fates. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And while I love that movie, the, those are you know I'm I'm not at the edge of my seat except for those those scenes. Yeah, for me, um, definitely emotional watching it. Um, I think the most worked up I got or choked up that I got was when the sequence of um, Ray and Kylo fighting on the Death Star and intercut with Leia, then Leia passing away and Han Solo up until the point where Chewie finds out that Leia passed away. That yes. was Oh, that gave me chills when you said that. <laughs> it's, it was very powerful. And that, to me, is my favorite part of the movie, that, that whole sequence of events. I think that was yeah. just very powerful, very emotionally told. Um, what were... Uh, what was your favorite part of the movie, I guess? Of the rise of, it's funny, I was just watching it again the other day. That's one of, one of my favorite parts is definitely the, the sequence where, where Han Solo comes back 
um, mm-hmm. and is is obviously a memory of Ben's. But uh, I mean, man, I, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren is is um, almost without a doubt my favorite Star Wars villain now, w- without question. Actually, Kylo Ren is my favorite villain. Oh wow! And and to have him, you know, mirror that scene on the bridge in in uh, uh, the Force Awakens was just super powerful yeah it was beautiful and and i loved you know you know speaking of the mandalorian they they dropped that episode two days early that week so that we could see that force healing was going to play a huge part in this movie and that that was that was pretty awesome and and to see them you know continue to to do that uh throughout the movie and and even kind of call back to the, the force awakens I'm sorry, the uh, the last Jedi with, you know, the effort of of certain force activities just literally expending all of the energy from your body was 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 incredible. I mean, man, it it's really that third act. It's it's like Rogue One, man. The the third act is just the the money shot. Exactly. So, who was your favorite villain prior to Kylo? Darth Vader for sure. Um Of course. Yeah, Vader, Vader was incredible, but but Kylo Ren, you know, as a person that can take off the mask and exhibit emotion, and and probably I will give some credit to the naysayers of the sequel trilogy. He has the most clear exhibition of of a storyline and also emotion, and and he's captivating in a way that some other characters aren't. Not to say that I don't like those characters. I mean. I love Ray, but I don't think we get as much out of her as we get out of Kylo. I mean, he's already installed in the series. His his lineage is is the very fabric of of the narrative of Star Wars. And and Ray is, you know, no less important to this trilogy, but she is, you know, we have less time to get acquainted with her and develop an emotional connection with who she serves in the series. And I mean, obviously we find out at the end that she is a she is an, also a, a part of the of the universe that that we've grown to love over time, but man, Kylo Ren just stole the show. Adam, I'm I'm a huge Adam Driver fan in general. I loved a Marriage Story. Oh, I did too. Um, it was great. Yeah. Oh, surprisingly so funny and charming way. You yeah. Know? Oh, and then br- broke me at the end in the in a similar way that La La Land broke me at the end. Of what Marriage Story? Yeah. 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 And a lot, you know, I, it's funny cause I was having a bad day when I watched it and I, I had been meaning to, but it's a long movie. Yeah. And I, I Googled, I was like, what uplifting things can I watch on Netflix? And it said a marriage story. And I said, huh, I didn't get that sense from the trailer, but okay. Right. <laughs> so I watched it. And at the end of it, I was like, that was not uplifting at all. Not even, <laughs> not even a little bit. And I was like texting people and they were like, man, that was a great movie that, I mean, I felt inspired at the end. I was like, you must have lived in a family to which that didn't happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's all the experience. Dude. So it's funny to hear just to hear, actually, hold on one second. I'm having an audio problem. Okay. Can you hear it on your end? It's like clipping. No, I'm not. I'm not. Check, hearing, check, uh, check, if, check. If you're hearing me, let me try to turn my mic down a little bit. Does it, does this help? Hello, 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 hello. Hello. I think it's gone. It may have been just like temporary. <clears throat> okay, I tur- I turned my uh, um, 
my my knob here down on my internet. So hopefully that helped a little. You're bit. touching your knob. Touching touching my knob live on the air. <laughs> okay, don't worry, that won't be in the, in the episode. You can put it in. <laughs> we got nothing. What are, what are, what are people doing right now? But having time. Very true. You know, the, all those memes where it's like, how many times have you whacked it today during quarantine? <laughs> and then, oh, seventeen. And that's not even being generous. I don't even have a dick anymore. <laughs> okay, so I was gonna say, um, what I find is very interesting. Um, last week, I, uh, and this is to like hearing what you, your thoughts are on the rise of Skywalker. Last week, I had a guest on. His name's uh, Brian Kessinger. And uh, you probably don't know him, but he's actually an illustrator, author, storyboard uh, creator for um, Lucasfilm, actually, and, oh, and Marvel. Oh, wow, incredible. Yeah, he, and we had a lot of great things to talk about with his like, art and stuff. But he was also mentioning his thoughts on like the sequel trilogy as a whole. He, too, loved The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I got from him that The Last Jedi was his favorite out of mm. the three. Um, but the way he talked about them as a whole was like, um, it's kind of like each one is almost an, an interpretation, <clears throat> a different interpretation of a Star Wars story, if that makes mm. sense. And I thought it was an interesting way to look at it. And I think the reason why it feels that way is the connectivity of it all. While in some ways it doesn't really connect well, but in other ways in finer, more detailed ways, it does connect very well. And I think it's notable to point out the details in these movies, specifically Rise of Skywalker, um, as as small as the paint job on some of the creatures to as big as uh, Ray's outfit choice. I don't know. It mm-hmm. all is so specific. And there's so many different uh, factions of people working on this movie that have like a specific job like one person's in charge of uh, like making sure Ray's bun is just like it was in the last frame stuff like that and I that's what that's I love incredible. about these movies just that they're <clears throat> I mean yeah it's the big production and everything the budget to be able to afford to do that but there's a lot of heart in all these movies and I saw it a lot in the rise of Skywalker and yeah. um, I actually enjoyed how uh, I did enjoy the Palpatine reveal of Ray being a Palpatine. And I thought it really complemented the fact that these movies are about the ultimate good versus the ultimate evil Palpatine versus Skywalker, symbolically speaking. Right. And uh, while I, I still would have loved if she turned out to just be a nobody, I think it could have gone either way. You know, I mean, if, it would tell a different story and the nobody, if she was a nobody situation, it would be that, you know, well, um, it doesn't matter if you're related to anybody to become something or et cetera, you know, um, right. Autism, that kind of ideal. And, but with having her be a Palpatine, it's overcoming wherever, whatever background you come from. So it's, it's weird how it could have gone either way. Did you, what was your thoughts on it being the Palpatine? Because I know you loved the fact that she was Ray from nowhere, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I feel largely like you do. It, it could have gone on the <laughs> way for me. Um, I, w- I was a little disheartened at first, you know, 
when I, cause I had heard rumors of it beforehand and I was trying so hard to stay unspoiled. Um, but you know, it, it happened. Obviously we got a lot of content before the drop of this movie. Thanks to somebody at the outline. Uh, I think that comes with bringing on so many people, bringing so many people on board to do little things that get purview over some of the big things. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things in the last Jedi, and I think it will serve kind of my idea about this was, the idea that the force flows through everybody um, and, and that people can tap into it. I, I loved the end of the last Jedi with broom boy um, because for me, that was symbolic of, of all of us as kids with, with wide eyed, uh, you know, imaginations, you know, looking out into the sky after watching a star Wars movie and feeling like you could tap into the force. And that that's the magic of the series for me. And that's, that is what I loved about what they were doing with that. Um, you know, and, and retconning the midichlorian thing and everything, (laughs) um, which, you know, I was fine with anyway. I thought that was, that was probably my least favorite and underdeveloped part of the prequel trilogy. So I'm Um, curious, is the last Jedi, still considered your favorite because last we spoke on the podcast it was your favorite at that time i like rise of skywalker more but it's now a second uh oh, okay the, the last jedi yeah the last jedi second uh to rise of skywalker and i think large you know i i had seen a you know people have pointed out a, a few things about i'm big on the star wars combat um and so i was if anything, like I loved The Last Jedi as as a story. I, I, I tended to disagree with mostly everybody about what had become of Luke. Um, and, and just because I felt like it was a very natural character development and something that I think they hit us with a, you know, a curveball. Um, and, and, and I liked it. I, I liked the idea that even, even, you know, the, the Star Wars universe's greatest hero could be a fallible human like me. And, um, and it, it made me connect with Luke in, in ways, you know, I, I'm, I'm prone to wanting to withdraw within myself and, and be separate from everybody when I feel like I don't deserve to be, you know, a, a part of the, the bigger story on earth. Um, so, so I totally got him from that perspective. Um, but, but the rise of Skywalker, I mean, had some of my favorite combat sequences. I mean, just thinking about like the, the duel that they had, I I'm blanking on the name of the planet that they go to immediately before Exegol. Um, Kashimi. Kashimi. That's right. Yeah. Where they're, where they're having the fight on the, on the ruins of the old death star. Oh, I'm Um, sorry that I was thinking of the, the ice place. Okay. You're talking about where the old, the ex stormtroopers were. That's right. I can't. I don't remember the name of that place. I don't remember the name of the planet there, but um, <clears throat> they they have the they have the duel after Kylo crushes the um, the 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 beacon. Yeah, I'm I'm blanking on a bunch of terminology right now. I feel like a fake fan. Wayfinder. Wayfinder. Sith Wayfinder. <laughs> That's right. Um, the uh, the other cool fight of Rise of Skywalker was the um, the one on Kajimi, where it's intercut from the starship to the ground. That's right, and he he's down there wondering where she is, and then they uh, crush the pedestal that Vader's helmet is on. Um, yeah, did have you watched the behind the scenes of Rise of Skywalker? I have not. I I actually I mistake, so I haven't gotten my Blu-ray yet. It's on the way. Um, Good, but I also <clears throat> have not. Um, 
when I purchased it on Amazon, I neglected to purchase the digital copy uh, that had the bonus features. So I only got oh, the film, no. which I'm bummed about. But I still, I've watched it three or four times now since uh, since I bought it digitally. Me too. <laughs> I have nothing but time. <laughs> well, when you, the documentary is fascinating. I don't think as good as The Last Jedi one, which I loved. Oh, um, man, that one about Ryan Johnson. It was a great documentary. <laughs> huh. Yeah. But in this one, it sh- that fight specifically, it shows that they actually built a set that was half and half. And the way they shot it made it look like it was going from the starship to the ice planet. But they built a set that way, that half of it was mm. the, the land and half of it was a ship. It was really cool. So there's some shots. That's crazy. Yeah, there's some shots. And then I went back and watched the movie and I saw there's some panning shots that go like this across, like from the ship into to the planet on yeah and it was really cool to see how they made it practical you know yeah and and this is the planet where (laughs) poe used to run spice on you were a spice runner yeah how how about that like like half-assed relationship though that they (laughs) they build between with um, zori and no well zori too but well Okay, here, here was one thing my uncle pointed out that I really liked a lot, though, now that you mentioned Zori, and I don't want to forget it. <clears throat> you know, at the end, when they're all celebrating down at, yeah. the, at the Resistance base, and Poe lands, and he, like, makes the eye at Zori, yeah. and she's like, no. And I, I just thought that was funny, because um, Poe's backstory is that he, he was conceived after the battle on Endor, after the celebration. Oh. It's, it's built into one of the novels and uh or or maybe perhaps the comic series but uh man i i'm so behind on all of kind of the extended stuff going on in media around it me too um, but that's really cool i didn't know but that. yeah and so it's kind of an homage to like he was like oh i'm gonna get lucky right now and your and, uncle pointed uh, that out to you yeah my uncle my dude my uncle no you should have my uncle on here yeah all three of us should do it man sometime oh it would be awesome yeah we could zoom it in wow zoom it up <laughs> but oh dude I, I it was really funny to me after you pointed that out now i can't help but chuckle every time it happens i mean it was funny to begin with <laughs> right uh what were you saying about finn oh that yeah so the the relationship between finn and poe is like uh, you know that everybody had been shipping them as kind of like the they're like a, having a relationship and and they they kind of i feel like they kind of serve that a little bit in the rise of skywalker but without actually like indicating towards it being an an actuality turn them into an old married couple yeah i mean they i mean they bickered like they were in a relationship and it was cute but it was also like is he in a bad mood always always (laughs) that's one thing i do love about the rise of skywalker is the relationship between you know what you are you're difficult you're a difficult man (laughs) That you were saying, sorry, the the relationship between who? Uh, between all three of them, uh, I really love oh, that. In this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, that dynamic was a lot of fun. I mean, and it, I mean, I really feel like they built the frustration in well. I mean, like they they've inherited a resistance in shambles, and you know, I think people people point to the humor of these things as like not Star Warsian, but I, I just think it's great. I think I think they really brought. A, a lot of humanity to uh, you know a series that exists in a in almost an unimaginable context you know it's not doesn't follow objective correlative you know it's not a, it's not a world that we could function in but 
they make it feel like there are people like us in this trilogy that exist much like us and and behave like us or or could be like us i agree i totally see that well guys like i said on the 28th today's the 27th but on the 28th is the 40th year anniversary of the empire strikes back it is hard to believe that it's been 40 years and we recently just had the phantom menace 20th anniversary so i want to take some time today and just reflect on the empire strikes back and talk about this amazing movie and i guess you know not too deep diving or anything but just like let's just reminisce on how amazing it was you know do you remember like have any early memories of watching that movie yeah, man. I remember, I think, I feel like I remember my first time watching Empire Strikes Back or at least being cognizant of it. And like when Han opens up the Tauntaun on Hoth, yeah. I remember being like, oh. <laughs> I, I remember thinking that the insides looked like some kind of food. Yeah. I thought it was kind of appetizing in a weird that's, way. That's an interesting take on it. I definitely wouldn't have gotten appetizing. I. <laughs> It looked like mac and cheese, right? Something like really puffy. Uh, mac and yeah, cheese. it had like something spilling, like some kind of tubular thing spilling out for yeah. sure. <laughs> A red, ma- little red macaroni. I was that kid. <laughs> uh, Got them open so we can eat them. I love bad. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I was just watching this video on YouTube yesterday. Um, that was this guy who gave this really eloquent and wonderful uh, kind of analysis of the duel between Luke and Vader in Empire Strikes Back. And he was, he kind of let it run and he talked through everything and kind of, you know, what he thought the psychology was between, between the two of them. Uh, And it was, it was just, I mean, it added something to an already phenomenal scene. I mean, that's probably my favorite duel of of that trilogy and again i'm I'm big on the lightsaber fights so yeah um and for that to you know for luke to be completely unschooled and untrained as of yet or you know almost completely unschooled and untrained you know warned against going and and fighting and and being admonished to you know let your friends die if you believe in the cause they're fighting for and yeah but but maybe that's not the best wisdom coming from Yoda. And, and I think it, it's a major development in Luke's character going out there and, and, and seeing what he's up against, but also still being the good guy that he hasn't even grown into yet. I think so too. And I like the phrase, the psychology of the movie. This is, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's essentially a, a big character analysis movie for each each of the characters mm. and a lot of that does have to do with <clears throat> their psychology which is very interesting to think about of course in vader and luke mainly i think but also on of a a moral uh plane too like with yoda and all of his teachings to luke you know those i remember as a kid listening to the like the yoda and luke scenes and um n- grasping that information and kind of not not cognizantly learning but you know subconsciously i was taking that in and i think to this to this day every day since i've kind of had that in the back of my head i've lived my life with those those rules and the way to like 
uh, just be patient and um, mm. think of others, not be selfish. You know, I could obviously work on that, <laughs> but <laughs> you can always work on it. But uh, I, I think that's my favorite part of the Empire Strikes Back is just the stuff between Luke and Yoda. Uh, I don't know, yeah. especially as a kid, you know, having that, that cool little puppet that talks funny yeah. on there and kind of going off topic, but when he into return of the Jedi, when Yoda dies, that is the only earliest memory I have as a kid watching that movie and being like really sad. I think that's my first mm-hmm. memory is when he died. I was just really sad. And I was very, asking very my, easy to love. I was asking my grandma. I was like, why, why does Yoda have to go and like cr- crying over it? But <laughs> Mine yeah, was the, uh, when Charlotte died in Charlotte's Web. Oh, you told me that before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I lost it. You win. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I, I feel you on that. And I also, you know, one thing I was, I was thinking about this the other day too. After watching that, uh, that video, um, and I don't know if the guy addressed this, but it, I, I think that. Star Wars has always been really good about calling into question who's really the good guy and the bad guy here. Yeah, um, very true. You know, the the prequel trilogy largely centers around have the Jedi lost their way. Um and you know, they're uh, by the third movie, they're not keepers of the peace, they're generals in in the army defending the republic and maybe that was the right place for them to be, but clearly it ended up a certain way for them which was in tatters and, and scattered about. And, you know, we, we, we now get amazing stories about people who survived the purge of the, of the Jedi order 66. But I think I, what I think is phenomenal is there's still an element of that in the empire strikes back. When, when Luke goes to Dagobah, Yoda's initial reaction is to go, is to kind of fall on his old ways and go, Nope, I can't train him. He's too old. And, you know, Obi-Wan shows up and is like, you know, are you kidding me? <laughs> what, you know, what he's saying is, is if you recall once, so was I. Um, but what I think he's saying is, are you kidding me? Are we just going to stand back and let, you know, the Empire continue to run the galaxy through the dark side of the Force and not put any effort into restoring balance to the Force? Like, you know, what are you thinking, old man? And it goes to show that you can live for 900 some odd years and not get it yet. No, you're right. And <clears throat> while you were saying that, it made me think, you know, um, because of the differences in what a Jedi is between prequel and um, original trilogies, is mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of, you know, loosely, Old Testament versus New Testament, like ways of living. And, but mm-hmm. as far as like Jedi thinking. So I want to I bring that up back up once we get into what it means to be a Jedi. And <clears throat> I think it's good we're talking about empire strikes back too because that's when we kind of really learn about uh the beginnings of a jedi for for luke anyway in that time period but uh one thing i did want to ask you about empire is a a couple weeks ago i was talking on the podcast about you know if empire strikes back came out like premiered during my lifetime when i could be aware of it like today for Mm -hmm. example and I watched the movie. I was wondering what would my reaction be to that? And I thought I would actually be kind of disappointed in the ending since it's not Mm. necessarily, it's kind of cuts off, you know, it's a cliffhanger obviously. And it ends right after that giant reveal, which is 
you know, if you think about it at the time, it's kind of out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah, I think it stole the breath of the world. Exactly. Yeah. And so I was, I was thinking, you know, I probably wouldn't care for it if that came out now. Um, One, because you don't know if it's going to get a a sequel and uh, two, because there really wasn't that, that closure to an ending or like, Hey, we're going to, this is where we're going next, et cetera. Uh, I don't know what, did you ever think about that? Like just the ending to it? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, the, the, I am your father drop is very satisfying and, and know, knowing it as a trilogy, of course, I think, you know, if, if I had fair confidence that the return of the Jedi was going to come, I would be, I'd be like, man, they really did it with this one. I can't wait to see how this ends. But uh, yeah, I mean, I hadn't really ever considered that. That's, that's actually an interesting take on it and i think it, it may be so let me ask you this then with with respect to that does the way that the rise of skywalker tied things together make the last jedi uh, a little bit better for you you know that's something i really haven't thought too much about offhand um a little bit uh maybe as far as as um uh, Ray goes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, still not so much Luke. I don't know. I need to. I need to watch those back to back though. I haven't uh, looked at Last yeah. Jedi in a while, but uh, a little bit. Idea. I should marathon this weekend. I think that's what I'll do. I mean, we got the time. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but it. <laughs> um. So, so yeah. I mean, I, if if Empire came out now, if Empire came out now. That's interesting. Wow. Wow. What if Empire Wow. What if Empire came out now? I mean, the first thing I noticed is that Luke just kissed his sister. Or I should say his sister kissed him. And yep. that, that would that would be like a, a standout thing for me that would have been hard to get over. I don't know why. It's not it's not just because I grew up watching that over and over again and I guess I've had years and years and years to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be like an immediate hang up. <laughs> right um no i mean I, empire strikes back is is but it's definitely one of my favorite star wars movies if, you know if i like if if the se- when the sequel trilogy didn't exist it was my favorite out of all of them out of the six out the first the six. six. Oh, okay yeah yeah oh, wow that's pretty great so you're you're a sequel guy yeah, uh, yeah, I've become a big apologist of the sequel trilogy. I mean, I just I love what JJ Abrams started. I I loved the passion that Ryan Johnson brought in and I thought JJ came in and tied it up very nicely and and gave like one of the most riveting and and fast-paced and and wonderful Star Wars movies that exists now. I agree, dude. I agree. All right, everybody, we're going to move on to talking about the main topic today, which is what does it mean? To be a Jedi. Uh, this is something I've been wanting to talk about for, for a long time because I think it'd be very interesting to dive deep into since there's so many different points of view. There's so many different, some different Jedi. There's so many different um, ways of thinking. There, uh, there's so many different, uh, even like force powers and um, fighting stances. We've talked a little bit about that in the past. Um, and so I want to start by reading an excerpt from... Uh, the complete Star Wars encyclopedia, which 
is official canon. It was written by Pablo Hidalgo, uh, one of the leaders master of the, of the canon. Yeah, the of the um, Lucasfilm Story Group. Is that what they're called? Star Wars Story I Group. Think something like so that? I know. I know that Hidalgo himself is like the end all be all. Nothing enters canon with or without with or without his permission. Uh, he actually. This is just random fact. He actually posted um, a couple days ago on Twitter. He was saying how he was one of the first people to suggest that Ray be um, a take on the name Skywalker at the end of the trilogy, not to be a Skywalker, but to take on the name. And he said it back in 2014 when they were developing The Force Awakens, which I thought was really cool that he had wow. that in mind way back then. That's phenomenal. Right. Yeah, yeah. So this is here's here's the book for all you looking. That's a, that's or a beautiful watching. book. It's one of three. It's a beautiful saga of Nabels. It's like I might have to ever. pick that up. I can't believe I don't own that. You should, man. It's very interesting. They literally have everything. They have like if you pause any frame of like the original trilogy, for example, and you see like some random character in the background, they have a definition of what that guy is here. Who that is. It's crazy. Okay, so this is what the Jedi Code is, according to today's canon. All right, so the basic tenets of the Jedi was the Jedi Code, which was based on writings of Jedi Master Udan Ur, some 4,000 years before the Battle of Yavin. And it says, There is no emotion... There is peace. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no death. There is no, I'm sorry, there is no death. There is the force. A Jedi does not act for personal power or wealth, but seeks knowledge and enlightenment. A true Jedi never acts from hatred, anger, fear, or aggression, but acts when calm and at peace with the force. So that was the official doctrine. Um, what they, what they, or I guess um, the code for the Jedi. It's what they followed during like the prequel era anyway. And I, I it sounds to me like um, when I hear, when I hear that coming out of my mouth, it almost sounds like a, one of those ancient proverbs that you hear from like, I don't know, monks or something like that. Yeah, it sounds Just, like Eastern philosophy to me. Yeah, very uh, very heavy in like Buddhism and um, the Enlightenment stuff and kind of things like that. Um, but overall, I, t- I take it as just kind of, you know, being very self-aware while at the same time, uh, not just being one with yourself, but being one with everything around you even that which is non-biological, like non-living. And so I, when I hear that, I, I think of both the prequel era and the original trilogy era. Um, and I guess a little bit of the sequel. But I, it's almost like, like I said earlier, those three trilogies, it's almost like it's a different interpretation of the meaning of, of that passage there. For what I mean is, for example, you mentioned earlier how you know the prequel trilogy was almost about how the Jedi had lost their way, 
and they mm. they were blinded by their own hubris, you know, and it caused uh, Palpatine to emerge from within, and it they were blinded, they couldn't see it, and uh, that was also brought up in the Last Jedi too, when Luke was at the temple with Rey. Um, and then when we go into the original trilogy, I like how you pointed out that Yoda was saying like, "Oh, I won't teach you; he's too old," or whatever. And that was kind of going back to the old ways. And then mm-hmm. he realizes old ways are done. You got to do something new. So here's this new form of Jedi that we can continue on with. And right. we'll talk a little bit more about like the different levels of Jedi, such as Padawan, Knight, Master, etc. Um, but what are your thoughts after hearing that passage? Yeah, I, I got a real sense of, of exactly what you said, which is that it's, it sounds like something a monk might put on a, you know, in, in, in a book that guides people to meditative bliss and, and meditation is a huge part of, of the Jedi way as well. Uh, that's, I love, I, I just, I just got on board with the Jedi, uh, fallen order. Um, what do you think? And oh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I, I tend not to enjoy video games that are driven by, uh, get this thing and bring it to so-and-so uh, <laughs> then do yeah. this. And, but uh, I like it from the perspective of the narrative. The combat is a lot of fun. They throw you into um, some tough combat situations right off the bat, which I think is pretty fun. That, that, that's challenging. I don't necessarily, I'm not loving like the, how everything's like every planet I've gone to so far is like a puzzle I have to solve. You don't like that? that? Nah, I'm not, that I'm was not my favorite on, part, dude. Okay, yeah, I'm not big on puzzles and video. I I recognize like, like a, a lot of my friends are like, oh, you gotta like play such, a, and I, I'm playing it for the narrative. I almost want to feel immersed in a movie. And I noticed that this game actually has like a story mode option built in, where like you're you could basically put the combat on like everything gets blocked. You like it's almost impossible that you'll die. You're just like going and hacking and slashing your way through this whole thing. Yeah. Um so you haven't finished. Uh, no, I I literally just started it yesterday. Um oh, I just okay, got wow. I just got a PlayStation, so I'm like just freshly on board. When um, when you finish, oh, we got to talk cuz I have some thoughts on the ending. Okay, yeah. I I'm I've had the ending a little bit spoiled for me. Oh no. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I know what happens insofar as like, and a spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't played, but I know spoiler. that he destroys the holocron uh, at mm-hmm. the end of it, and um, which I'm not bummed about. I I like what I know about the dynamic between um, Seer and, and Trilla. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, you know, really looking forward to, to seeing how it plays out in the cinematics, which are lush and beautiful so far. Um, but that's actually, you know, on the, on the topic of what we're talking about, you know, um, Seer being cut off from the force, uh, Luke being cut off from the force and, and kind of operating in their, in their own way. Um, under, like, I think under the, uh, a misguided understanding of what, you know, how being a Jedi is not necessarily being a part of the force. Um, Maz Kanata is a really good example of this. She seems to know the force. She seems to understand it. It seems to guide some principles in her life. And she seems to be able to channel it in some ways as well. But that yeah. doesn't make her a Jedi. 
and and I think I think it is that hubris that you mentioned earlier. The you know the way Jedi kind of maybe get tangled up in the philosophy that they they utilize the Force for in their life, which isn't necessarily what the Force is. I think of the Force as you know is two sides of it: an, an aggressive and and dark energy. And then a light and peaceful energy that couldn't exist without one or the other. That each other's existence is, is predicated on on one another, essentially. And and I, I love that conceptually. But it it's not always those two sides of the force have not always been harnessed in the same way. And and what it means to be a Jedi specifically is to follow you know the, a principle that that guides you away from emotion. You know, not to act on your emotions, and that, and that tends, you know, the the emotion seems to be, at least in a negative way, is what characterizes use of the dark side of the force. So it's through that philosophy that they intend to channel only the light side of the force. Right. Yeah. But the, so, there's a caveat in 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 people like sorry, um, no, no. like Mace Windu, who whose fighting style is unique, and and in his own way, he channels dark side energy to be an aggressor in combat which i think is really interesting because i think that goes against the philosophy of the jedi and yet here he sits as a high-ranking member of the council second i think only to yoda that's actually exactly what i was going to bring up is uh the the light and dark and defining a jedi um i did an episode um a little while ago uh maybe about 10 episodes ago Guys, check it out. It's called Balance of the Force. Talk about what balance is and what it means. According to uh, George Lucas, Balance of the Force is a Jedi or anybody just following the light side of the Force. So completely negating anything that has to do with the dark side. That includes dark side powers, etc. Whatever. And then the people that follow the light side are then considered a Jedi. But we have people like Mace Windu, who is considered a Jedi, and he taps into the dark side only specifically when he needs to use it, for example, going up against Palpatine, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of weird how that makes sense, but at the same time, the definition is you follow the light. So I definitely believe that a Jedi it can be a person that just follows the light side, but I think also um, knowing and studying the ways of the dark side is just as beneficial it's just how you how and what you use those powers and that that studies for the is what makes behind you, it yeah exactly because yeah. you could be like a palpatine and just use force lightning to i don't know fucking kill whoever you want to right or you could be mace windu and only use that to reflect the lightning that's being hit on you so I think that's interesting. I'm glad you brought up Mace Windu. He's my yeah. favorite. He is, uh, aside from being Samuel L. Jackson, absolutely one. Is that his lightsaber? That's up there? his. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. That is distinctly his too. I don't know how I didn't notice that. <laughs> right behind um, it is the uh, Black Series action figure too. Oh, that's you got an impressive collection there. I got all my pops in the other room. I should be in there recording. <laughs> Um, I, uh, yeah. And uh, I think it also serves to show that, that the concept of being a Jedi is, is man or, you know, man and 
whatever creature took part in its ways it's created by them it's it is not indicative of what the force it is 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 rather it is merely a, a philosophy through which you uh approach the force and 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 allow yourself to feel the force it's principles that are not uh, you know obviously the light side users are what we regard as the good guys and the dark side users are what we regard as the bad guys um but you can you you call into question you know when the jedi become huge uh it it seems and i don't i don't actually know a ton of the lore behind this but it seems like they become large power players in a metropolitan planet on coruscant in the in the prequel uh series they've they've become bloated um they they enter war pretty willingly and they become generals that fight in an army and and try to hold on to the the guiding uh principles of peace that that have built them into the and i hate to say it this way the empire that the jedi have become uh yeah. by that time but how do you do that in war you don't right let me let me bring let me put a perspective on you so and the, the question being um do you have to be able to use the force to be a jedi so imagine we live in our world um people have superpowers and mm. they go out and they fight crime and that dubs them a superhero um yet we have law enforcement people who can also fight the crime and they're also in a way a hero but they lack the the superpower the the ultimate uh punch or the, the ability to fly etc right but they're still a hero now if you study the ways of the Jedi through meditation, being one with the universe, um, and you learn combat, like you can wield a lightsaber too, but you can't force pull or you can't, you can't fly or jump around like Yoda. Are you still considered a Jedi or a, a hero in that way? Cause I think, I think so. Yeah. That's uh, so in the context of the narrative, I think the Jedi order would not allow a non-force wielder in, which is, which is interesting. They would not. No. Um, yeah. Um, I think you could still adopt the principles and function as, as a Jedi would in society or approach, you know, I, I, I think it goes beyond, it, it's an interest, you know, in, in our world, I think it goes beyond, you know, merely being a, a wielder of the force and a, and somebody who could, uh, you know, manipulate the force or, or allow the force to flow through them in a certain way. It, it It's about the way you approach circumstances and scenarios in life, um, which, which is off, more often than not what we're seeing, you know, people go through as Jedi in, in these movies, you know, they're, they're having to face large issues that are bigger than them. And it's not, you know, obviously they're the ones that are going and, and engaging in combat and fighting and, and, and part of, you know, being a Jedi that can fight is that you can, see you know things coming at you that that you wouldn't otherwise that's i think that's a huge tenet of, of prequel at least the the prequel series fighting is Definitely. that it's so acrobatic and crazy and things are coming at you but you have this innate sense to know what's going to come so that you can place your blade in its path and block it and then try you're, you're just basically trying to get ahead of their senses and that's the point of view of um, put it in music terms, for example, 
uh, we're both musicians. If, um, if I, however, never played an instrument in my life, but I went to school and I studied music theory, I could understand how music works. I could understand the theory of it. I'm a music theorist, but I don't play any instruments, never played an instrument in my life. Mm-hmm. And you're a musician. You play the music. You can also do the theory. You play many instruments, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm not uh, considered a musician because I don't play anything. I'm a music theorist, uh, essentially a critic almost. It, that that could also be the argument of people that study the ways of the Jedi, but they can't use the force. So they're, they're just Jedi historians or theorists. Is that, if that it's makes kind sense. of my sense of Maz Kanata. Yeah. I see yeah. her as like the historian of Jedi practices and the ways, like she says, right. I, I've seen many forms of the Jedi in the past, you know? <clears throat> yeah. She's, she's been around a while and, and watched all this go down. Oh, Maz gets around. <laughs> Clearly. In every every movie, she talks about, like, you know, where's my boyfriend with Chewie? I like yeah. that Wookiee. And uh, the man with the, the, the red plum bloom. Yes. He's like, <laughs> oh, yes, he can. <laughs> Maz a little uh, what, is, what does she call him? A, uh, a, uh, an artist with a blaster? What? Something to that effect. <laughs> a poet with a blaster. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Maz. Yeah, she's also that's a sexologist. Why she could, that she, I was, yeah, I was gonna say she she can't be a Jedi because she's so horny. <laughs> Je- the Jedi are forbidden to love. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Let's talk about that too. The you know the foreboding of of attachment. You know mm. uh, how what I would I would think you know if to be one with your surroundings and yourself it would like anakin says encourage you to love um i get not being attached and being at peace for example if somebody died you know you don't want to hold on to that for the rest of your life and feel that that sense of deep uh, like you know aggression or sadness you want to be at peace with it and say like oh they lived a great life you know rest in peace and just be like i'm glad for the time we had with that person and Hmm. so that's kind of one way to take it, but to not have a physical relationship with somebody is a whole new level that I don't quite understand. Are you, have you ever read or are you familiar with um, autobiography of a yogi? Yes, I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I have not. New (laughs) incarnation. So, um, and when, when you uh, get out of uh, home jail at the end of this pandemic, I encourage you to visit the Art of Living Shrine in uh, it's the it's actually the the Lake Shrine is located in Santa Monica, and okay. it was established by a man named Paramahansa Yogananda, who is credited with bringing yoga to the Western world. He's an Indian, uh, what they call a Swami, uh, meaning guru, and he came to America in the early 1900s and started giving lectures and he sort of set up base in California and the Lake Shrine is probably the closest place you'll get that well, at least that I've been and I've been a few places um, to feeling Jedi energy on this earth and if you could read his book I think you'll get a sense of Jedi philosophy in action which, which is why I say it mirrors for me a lot of Eastern philosophy um, Traditionally speaking, gurus of the cut from the same cloth, they practice 
removing themselves from desire for the material good and being connected with the source, being connected with God or, or the creator with, you know, what they regard as a creator. And that might ne- not necessarily be like a, a Jesus or, or, a you know, an, an Abrahamic God as we know it, but they also give credit to those philosophies. Uh, according to Yogananda, uh, Jesus, um, Christ has is tapped into the energy of the source and is merely an exhibition of that and and, and uh, a a drop of God consciousness on earth and and it's his you know it's his separate and I think it mirrors a lot of you know Christian philosophy as well we're not supposed to get wrapped up in material goods according to to that philosophy we're not supposed to be we're supposed to be living in this world but not of the world. And that, and that seems to be a major tenet of a lot of religious doctrines from around the world. And, and I think that that is as true of, of Jediism as a religion. Um, you know, if you, if you practice attachment to, to people, if you, if you have possessiveness over people, if you have possessiveness over things, you will have a tendency to act emotionally uh, to protect those things. And... I, and that may be kind of the fault of the Jedi for for giving be, being a part an active part of the Republic, you know, not not existing as their own separate entity and, and meditating and becoming closer with the, their source, the Force, and just being a part of that and 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 being diplomats of peace where where it's applicable or or, or when it is you know when the Force calls them to do so because they're in touch with it, they they seem so integrated into the politics of it all uh so much so that you know even in the in the in the first and second movies of the prequel trilogy where we're watching um you know sort of diplomatic meetings happen where the you know the supreme chancellor not yet the supreme chancellor i guess um is is having conversations with jedi about providing protection to you know a, a, a the a, an, another diplomat from another uh, country or planet, as it were, um, you know, protecting the, the the queen of Naboo, and and keeping her safe, and and in so doing, playing an active role in in the politics. And I th- I think that is practicing attachment to the the politics that that are happening around them. And I, and I think it's a major oversight on their part and part of their downfall. That was very insightful, <laughs> man. Uh, something about the origins of the word Jedi, you probably know, but for our listeners that don't know, um, it, w- it was derived from an old uh, Japanese word, uh, which I think, you know, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, but it sounded close to Jedi. And that that was basically just uh, of someone that has deep practices and being one with themselves. And the what really made George Lucas use the term Jedi was from a book called the princess of Mars, I think is what it's called. The movie version was called John Carter, which came out in 2012, I think. But, I did um, not know that any of this, this is incredible. No? So no. a lot of the inspiration for the prequels came from this uh, old book called the princess from Mars. And John Carter was the ultimate adapt adaptation of that book. And if you, have you seen John Carter? No. So there's actually tons of similarities between both those movies, as far as creatures, um, 
uh, adventure, the hero's journey type storytelling. But in that movie or in that book, the people from Earth, uh, they go to when they go to Mars, they have like these superpowers because gravity acts differently. So they can right. really high, they can hit really fast, um, have ultra strength essentially. And um, they were called Jedax because oh. in on Mars they referred to Earth as Jedda. J-E-D-D-A-H, Jedda. And those from there was Jedax. And they were all very, very Jedi-like. It, it mm-hmm. takes place in a different type of world. And um, so that was the main influence that caused George to call them Jedi. And so it, There's also it, a planet Jedda in, in the Star Wars universe, is there not? That sounds really familiar. Yes. I think, it, I oh, think no, it's, it's in Rogue in, One. It's, yeah, and it's also in... Um, the video game. What's it called? Um, Fallen Order. Fallen, fall, oh, it is. Oh. I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. But I, that's where they go um, uh, and they meet uh, Chirrut Imwe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that. There's another tie-in. Check out John Carter or the book. I'm gonna, you know? I'm, in fact, I'm just about to write that down because I've, I've got to watch that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to, you know, we've, we've talked for quite a long time. I want to kind of wrap up this talk about... Um, the different tiers, the Jedi Padawan, Jedi Knight, Jedi Master. uh, And also there's, you know, this thing called the gray Jedi, which um, I'm sure you could enlighten me a lot about, but uh, I guess we could kind of center this around the story of Anakin Skywalker, the chosen one, if you don't mind. So a Padawan is a learner. And uh, like we talked about earlier, for those to study the ways of the Jedi must start at a young age, at least in the old, olden days, right? Um, speaking about Anakin Skywalker, for example, um, he himself was too old, and he was like nine or ten when he first right. joined the Jedi Academy, and he was considered too old. Now, it's known, and it really went into this in Clone Wars TV show, that the Jedi Academy would apprehend these children who were seen to be force sensitive at like almost infancy. Right. And they would raise them to study the ways of the force. And it's, it, that almost kind of feels wrong. Now, of course they did it with the parents permission and stuff, but they, they take them away from their family, almost similar to how in the sequel trilogy, stormtroopers were taken away from their family mm-hmm. to join they were brainwashed. <laughs> it's almost like a different form of brainwashing, like peer pressured re- reverse brainwashing psychology almost. Do you suppose and, that that's part of the reason why they want to get them so young is because it's easier to get people on board with your philosophy. If you raise them from like the moment they have cognitive ability to only know that way of life. Of course. I mean, think about it when you're yeah. When you're a, when a kid is when a, a baby is learning to talk, if they're if they live in a household that is only English speaking, that's all they're going to learn to speak. And there's some mm-hmm. families that speak bilingually, and they'll learn two languages. So that's when right. the brain's developing the most. And of course, it's just so they can get their ideals in them at a very young age. So it's all they believe. Hammer it in there, which could also explain that maybe the ones that fall to the dark side or the Sith are those that did not get found by right. the Jedi and apprehended. 
Like maybe they're just off world or weren't discovered almost right in poverty in the star Wars world and just didn't get the attention, you know? Yeah. And they, and they, they, they see the allure of, of power and they have no context for, um, practicing that non-attachment, practicing those things and staying away from, from the material essentially. And this could explain why Anakin failed at being the Jedi he was supposed to be because he was brought in at a young age. He's already developed his, his way of looking at the world and he's already attached to his mother and his way of life. Yeah. And he didn't see eye to eye with what the Jedi wanted, which is very clear in Revenge of the Sith. Right. Oh and, yeah. Well, in Attack of the Clones too, when he slaughters all of the uh, Tuscan Raiders. I after, hate them. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, not just the men, but the women and the children too. <laughs> I can't get enough of those memes. It doesn't matter how many times I see it. Always funny. Yeah. But no, you're right. Uh, it will always be funny. Always. And and on the note of the ranks too, and I, I know we're gonna kinda walk through them, but I Do it. Do it. I think it's I think it's interesting that it it, it you know, it's it's a title. It's it's it, it's almost self-aggrandizing. It's like something to be proud of almost. It's it's a it's a it's a hierarchical ranking. You know, I, I would I would think as a Jedi that you know you would you would consider if you're practicing only serenity and peace and love for those around you, you wouldn't regard a, um, you know a Padawan learner or a knight as lesser than a member of the council, and yet they demand respect. And you know, every scene that's in the council chamber feels like they're you know kind of like looking down on people it's it kind of has this sense that they're ganging up and and anakin has an absolute fucking cow about not being promoted to the rank of master when he's granted a seat on the council which is a, a just goes to show that the those ranks are something to be attached to and it's also something that you know like mace windu delivering that like you know you are allowed to sit on this council but we do not promote you to the rank of master is is not just him, you know, saying, Anakin, you're not ready to be a Jedi master is saying you're not as good as us. Yep. So which doesn't seem to does doesn't line up with what, you know, the, the core tenets of Jediism to me. Uh elaborate. because uh, you're getting into what makes the difference between a, a knight and a master. Yeah, I mean like so well and it's it's I think a master to me would would suggest that you have you you exercise and and are uh, you know exemplary um you're an example of what somebody who follows the the principles you know what you read at the start of this conversation they they embody that and live that and and therefore sit as a as a master and 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 have the respect of of their fellow jedi and the young jedi that want to be like them in their journey it's it's almost like you've achieved enlightenment yeah yeah, and, and uh, I like how you said it. It's just it's just the the title of it, which is weird. Yeah, and so would you, even though the Jedi Council didn't grant Anakin the rank of master, would you consider Anakin a master? Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm as far as like force abilities and swordsmanship. Yeah. You know, Obi Wan was a master at, at this time, and he was a formidable opponent. Uh, you know, for for Obi Wan, uh, I think he he also he basically bested Mace Windu. 
Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, as far as like combat and, and things of that nature, yes. But Anakin continuously throughout the, the prequel trilogy in its entirety demonstrated that he, there, there was something like pompous about him. Like there was something he couldn't let go of to embrace what being a Jedi meant to the Jedi Order. It was he was like a nonconformist in almost all sense of the ways. You know, when he was a knight after you know, uh, and we know now post facto, we didn't know then what kind of you know uh, battles he was fighting in the Clone Wars, and and that he had had taken on a, a Padawan learner of his own. Um, he, despite all of this he still had this like arrogance about him like master windu doesn't understand and 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 you know obi-wan you know he he would fall at my hand like it was it's it's arrogance and and yeah. an emotion that that ultimately were his downfall you're right uh let's let's continue and talk about gray jedi you know i know you uh last we talked you you really wanted to elaborate on the whole the whole gray idea and there's some examples of course with like Qui-Gon being one of them um yeah more, more recently I guess Ahsoka Tano Ahsoka um but um I, I don't know T- tell me about your views on the gray Jedi I personally don't know too much about it haven't looked into it as much but you know I don't I don't know a ton I would say but I, I like I, I think it's interesting because I, I think gray jedi is almost like the wrong phrase for it you know the 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 gray is is somebody who is kind of an intermediary and i I think you said it best earlier when you talked about um you know how mace windu harnesses the dark side for the for the purpose of of being uh, it almost sounded like a like a better light side user you know right um he there's that's a it's a it's a part of the balance and and he exists in the light side of the force but knows how to with what intention to use abilities from the dark side of the force to um defeat people who are evil so you're saying Um, that mace windu is an example of a great jedi i i think in i think he's like he's almost like a prototype but but he's he's still so invested in the culture of the jedi that he is i i think i think a gray jedi exactly what they do is to not embrace the the philosophy as created by people who are force wielders because jedi like we said is just totally this this created religion to you know as a philosophy with which to approach the force and I think a great and and Ahsoka. I mean, we know she's she's disillusioned with the Jedi. She feels betrayed by the Council and by Anakin. Well, not necessarily by Anakin at the time, but she walks away, and he can't persuade her back. And then she disappears, and when she comes back, she's a she's a very powerful Force wielder, and a right. and a and a very powerful. I I I'm hesitant to call her a gray Jedi because I think using the word Jedi implies that she hadn't walked away from that religion. Right. Exactly. Um, I went ahead and pulled up uh, uh, the official Lucasfilm definition. Um, and it, it says the term gray Jedi or gray has two meanings. Uh, first, it was used by the Jedi and Sith to describe force users who wanted to walk the line between the light and the dark sides of the force without surrendering to the dark side. And second, it describes Jedi who distance themselves from the Jedi High Council 
and operated outside the structures of the Jedi code. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's kind of meets both these qualifications. And I think Ahsoka is a great example of that since she was yeah. outside of the council. And uh, we're really kind of getting into that now. Are you, are you up to date with Clone Wars? No, I'm, I, in oh. fact, I'm like a, I'm, I'm like a season behind. I, I started a no late way. game. Yeah. I, I didn't really care for it when it first started coming out. And then everybody has been telling me, oh, you gotta, you know, you've got to kind of get, look past some of like the fact that it's a kid show and then you've got to get a few seasons in and it'll make sense. And that, that's starting to be true. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty far along. I, there's Saga Rara was recently in it, which was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it, uh, so, it is. It's, it's trying to find its footing at the beginning. Right. It's not really Clone Wars yet. We're probably where you're at. It gets yeah. there, though. And, and, and I'm starting to appreciate that. I really love the storylines that involve uh, Maul and um, yes, his brother. Okay, well, I won't talk uh, to any more about <laughs> the most recent season, but it goes into the gray a little bit with Ahsoka and her journey. Right. Right. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I, I had heard, I, I saw some visuals of the, um, the Bad Batch, uh, which looked incredible. Um, yeah, they were great. Yeah, this, which, this... Uh, Go ahead. Oh, was, uh, there's, a, there's a movie with Keanu Reeves called The Bad Batch on Netflix. It's a, it's a very dark movie, uh, but Reeves. I wonder if, if it's a homage to that. Um, yeah. What is it pretty, about? Uh, it's, it, it's like a dystopian, like, it's it's almost Star Warsian in like that it like it's it's like in a desert and there's a lot of like want Jim Carrey's in it too. It sounds so familiar. I can't. Dude, it is a fucking gnarly movie. Like, <laughs> like don't be eating. It's on Netflix. It. It's on Netflix. It's it's long too. It's like four hours. Oh god! Um, but it's like this art film and. Dude, uh, I don't even know how to explain it well, but it's a real good movie. I'm adding it to my list now. I'm gonna check that out. Uh, dude, I want to I want to wrap it up. We talked a, a good bit about everything. It was all good stuff. I, uh, I want to. Anything else come to mind while we were talking, like that you just want to yell out there about this stuff? Star Wars is the best series of movies ever made, and you're a fool if you think Star Trek's better. Haha. <laughs> What's Star Trek? Never met her. <laughs> Although J.J. Abrams' films were incredible, and also The Wrath of Khan's pretty good, and I've heard, I've heard nothing the, but good things about Picard. And uh, I've heard the J.J. ones were good. I re- I haven't seen them. I really want to. Though. Oh, you've got you've got even if you're not like super familiar with I I I've, I I like the original three Star Trek movies. Yeah. Um. Mostly, I like the third one, which is The Wrath of Khan. And that plays a, a huge part in, in the J.J. Abrams films, but uh, oh, definitely no would recommend. And to any Star Wars fans, the J.J. Uh, Abrams, if you're if you have a hard time digesting some of the older media of the Star Trek universe, like I do, the J.J. Abrams films are very approachable and amazing. Hell yeah! Well, uh, Zach, let everyone know where they can find you, your podcast, social media. Uh, any last minute plugs that you want to sh- throw out there? All right. Um, yeah. At Zach Paladon on Instagram and uh, the podcast again is the pen, the sword with Zach Valadon and, and uh, um, Cage, I guess you were actually recently on the podcast uh, now that I come to think about it. So uh, everybody should go listen to that one. 
um, with, uh, with Aisa and, um, that, that, uh, that, that was a fun time. We talked a lot about a lot of good shit. <laughs> well, Zach, thank you so much for jumping on and, uh, to everybody else also make sure to check out our additional social medias as well. Everything's at Han Talks first or Han Talks first podcast. Uh, Instagram is where you can probably get in touch with me the easiest. I would love to hear your star Wars story and go back and listen to the old episode. Me and Zach did back in the day yeah. about the top 10 iconic moments in star Wars. And of course he'll be back to discuss more star Wars because that's what we love to do. Um, so now somehow some way somewhere this week, may the force be with you.